This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Don Juan Hughes Basketball Fans Podcast. We are back. Hey, we got a couple wins. Duke Nation, everybody take a breath. But we got a big one coming up Wednesday night against Baylor, who obviously was looking ahead just like we are right now uh, after laying an A against Michigan State. We all saw that one coming. Guard-heavy team, shooting horribly against a horrible Michigan State team. And now they're going to shoot 110% against us, of course. But obviously, we want to talk about the uh, Charlotte and the Hofstra game. We're going to talk about the Quinn Cook-Jeremy Roach debate, apparently, which kind of came out of nowhere. Jeremy Roach is playing phenomenal, so we want to kind of really highlight that part of it. And then, you know, if there is actual comparisons to be made, we'll talk about those as well. We're going to do another stock market because we got a lot of things to talk about there. And then, obviously, we're going to cover Baylor and uh, AC. You guys are going to do a coach's corner against for, yes, for the Baylor game coming up. Absolutely, got one coming up. Going to record tomorrow. A little breakdown of Hostra and, and that game and how that kind of played out and the changes the offense made. And then we're going to look at how uh, what Baylor likes to do and how that could give us see how it could give us trouble and also what we can do against it. Yeah, and um, if you haven't checked it out on Patreon, please do. They just did a uh, another Jack Pablo and AC did a uh, coach's corner. Kind of, you know, breaking down the last couple losses that we had against Arkansas and Georgia Tech. And, AC, real quick, I'll keep it with you here. Um, and we'll get right into the recaps of the Charlotte and Hofstra game. Where did we improve? What kind of changes did John Shire make to, especially in that second half against Hofstra, where our offense really seemed to kind of start clicking a little bit better? Obviously, Flip, you know, had an amazing game. He had seven turnovers, which I kind of see everywhere. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like three or four of them weren't even on him. So I just want to get that out of the way first. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, him and Jeremy Roach right now are clearly our two best players. But what did you see from a coaching standpoint uh, on some of, some, some of the changes that were made after the two losses? I mean, a couple of things like the spacing. Uh, the spacing is was much better against Hofstra. Defensively, we were much better against Hofstra. Um, they obviously started out hot, but we were able to to kind of control what they did after that. So defense is definitely a part of the equation, but offensively, just where they're initiating the offense, and that's why Flip had almost you know, double, double with assists because we were operating closer to the free throw line now, as opposed to you know thirty feet away, twenty five feet away, and trying to do the traditional let's start from the outside type of thing. We were uh, we were getting much better, much better spacing, much better with the levels where guys were set up on the court. Um, that led to a lot of points for us and a lot of a lot of easier opportunities than we were getting. A lot of the opportunities we had been getting in the past weren't weren't very easy um and we hit shots like hitting shots always makes everything look better because i think the uh i think the misconception was that we weren't running any offense when we were losing games and we were like we were running plenty of offenses just some of the the execution was bad some of the spacing was bad and i think that was cleaned up yeah jack i want to bring you in on this one i thought that overall uh kind of like ac said the, the ball movement was better but i know that you had a post on there uh, on instagram and one of the things that we pointed out was that there was ball movement with a purpose. And I thought that was kind of like the key there where it wasn't, you know, just kind of, you know, everybody wants to talk ball movement and player movement, but there has to be a purpose to it. Right. And I thought yeah. that the end of that Charlotte game and certainly the second half of the Hofstra game, we, we kind of executed that to, to the ability that I think that we, we can. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree. You know, Jeremy had an incredible game, passing the ball flip, 
I mean, Flip was two assists from a triple double, and he's a big guy. His passing in general, the last like couple of weeks, has just been much improved. Um, decision making, <laughs> oh yeah. Like like we like we've already covered those seven turnovers. A lot of them were not necessarily his fault. It just happened yeah. to be that he was the one credited with it because some of those rules are very stupid as to whose turnover uh, it is. That's just how it is. Um, he had a great game. Jeremy had a great game. Like I said, I, I like the ball movement. I like the off ball movement. I think a lot of this is stuff we're going to cover in our coach's corner tomorrow. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but just be ready. It's going to be good. Yeah. The uh, obviously, you know, coming off of two back-to-back losses and the sky is falling, we're questioning John Shire, is he the right guy? What did you kind of like to see? Uh, or what did you like after you saw what we did in the last couple of games that gives you a little bit more hope going forward? Well, let's just stop with the, is John the right guy? Because th- that's, that's crazy. Um, he's absolutely the right guy. There's nobody else who could run this team. But... <laughs> Uh, just flip catching the ball at that free throw area, holding the ball up strong, watching the defense collapse, and then looking for the open shooter. Like, that's offense. That's what we wanted to see. Uh, AC, you mentioned it earlier. We're, we're setting <laughs> that up way under the, the three-point line versus the the pick dribble handoff at the top of the, the, the three-point line. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's going to open so much – space for Duke and I know we keep using the word floor spacing and and player movement and ball movement but yes you have to do it with a purpose and when you get him the ball at at the top of that free throw line he's got three options he can shoot it from there he can drive it from there or if you collapse the defense there's enough shooters on this Duke team where somebody's open you saw McCain get hot you saw Foster get hot I, I mean this you can't make shots without shooting shots. So I'm I'm okay with them missing a a, a wide open three pointer if it's a good shot. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. you have to shoot the ball to make the ball. And if you're and if you're shooting the ball at the right time in the right moment, do it, do it, do it, do it. Because eventually it's going to fall. So I, I loved what I saw against Hofstra, and I think the coach's corner tomorrow is going to be really really good. Yeah, Pablo, I want to talk. I, I, I hate to cut off really quick, but D, you did bring up Jared McCain. And uh, a certain someone on this podcast said that Jared McCain should be toward the back of the rotation. And I just wanted to say, why? Jared McCain's been hot lately. I mean, was he hot coming into it? Probably not. No, but we knew he was capable of this. Certainly, and I think that the actual question when, you know, we talked about at the end of the last podcast is, you know, kind of shaping things up and what can Foster do and, you know, putting him next to Jeremy Roach, playing that Tyrese Proctor role, letting Mark play the three and, and kind of do, do that role. Obviously, Jeremy McCain answered those questions and he was like, hey, look, I heard the podcast and I, I'm not going to be shut down anytime soon. <laughs> Let's see what he can do against Baylor Clearly he in, a, in a neutral court. Because Caleb Foster's already proven that. That on neutral court, big game, that he's going to come out and score. So I'd like to see Jeremy Kane kind of keep that going. Nobody's going to question his work ethic. Nobody's going to question his drive and his ability to shoot the basketball. I think he plays really hard defensively. But at the same time, he won playing particularly well offensively in the couple of losses that we had. And 
if John's going to come out there in press conferences and talk about shaking things up, to me, that was a natural thing to, to, to question, you know, whether McCain's better coming off as the sixth man and kind of letting the game, you know, from the bench, kind of seeing the game for a few minutes before he gets checked in. That's kind of where I wanted to go with it. But, hey, credit to McCain. Like, he came out there, to your point, and, you know, shot very well. And I'm, I'm hoping that he does the same thing at uh, Cameron North. When you're up there, right, Jack? You're, you're going, Yes, right? sir. I will yeah, be right? And, uh, I heard UConn. I heard UConn owns Madison Square Garden now. That's what I heard. I heard Carolina owns it. So they, not claiming. anymore. Not anymore. They don't own that. They, they don't own wherever the hell they played the uh, Atlanta. Uh, yeah, Atlanta. Um, so and Cadeau, best point guard in the ACC, apparently. Not true. Uh, He's a good Conley, player, but yeah. Conley, we're nine yeah. minutes in. I want to get you in on this one. Um, I want to talk about. There was a, a sequence there that um, got a little bit of social media um, publicity, I guess, where Duke was running a set that was very similar to what the Nuggets were running. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I like where they were going with it, but I want to get your thoughts on how they're using Mark Mitchell, because I think that Mark Mitchell is a player right now that he's certainly hearing the, the criticisms of his jump shot and, you know, not shooting the three, but also... You know, he is attacking the rim, and I'd like to see him finish better at the rim, but I, I like the way John's starting to use him a little bit more. Kind of talk about where you see Mark, um, you know, in terms of where his team is and, and you know, how John is currently using him within the offense. Yeah, so, you know, his his role, I mean, the way he was being used early on was kind of like how he's being used last year. It was more perimeter-based than anything. Um, I think he kind of inverted his role a little bit. He's trying to keep him more closer to the basket, which suits him better. Obviously, he's not, you know, a shooter per se, even though he led the team in three-point percentage last year. Right. That That's, you know, saying that was like an anomaly, though. So we know that he's not a shooter. But I think the biggest thing is that Mark is understanding what he is now. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing is that he's understanding that, they're going to sag off him. They're going to do different things. They're going to throw a lot of just diff, diff, different junk defenses at him. So he's got to find his spots. And uh, he's, pick, he's picking his spots. Um, John Shire is actually putting him in the right spots. You know, he's, he's got him in a short corner, playing him in a dunker spot. Anything below the free throw line, you know, has been, has been playing, paying dividends for Duke. Um, he's got him in a lot of different action. You know, he's on weak side a lot. You know, he's crashing the boards. He's doing a lot of things, uh, a lot of positive things for Duke. And when he's getting the ball, um, when he, when he's catching the ball on the perimeter, he's not settling. You know, that's the biggest thing. He's not settling. He's like, Oh, you want to back up? Okay, cool. Well, I'm gonna go right at your chest. You yes. know what I'm saying? And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the cup on you. You know what I mean? I might take a yeah. short jumper and occasionally he'll take a three or two, which I'm fine with. I'm okay with him taking, you know, one to two, three pointers a game. Yeah. But if, you know, if they're leaving him open, they're leaving him open for a reason. So if he's just going to shoot a three pointer every single time, I don't think we're going to have much success at that. And I think he also mm-hmm. realized that, um, but, you know, the coaching staff, I mean, they got a smart coaching staff over there. Shire's a bright coach. He's a, he's a younger guy, but he's a bright coach. And, you know, all his assistants, they, they're just as smart as him. So they know what they had to do. Uh, they made the adjustments, and now we see it, and it paid dividends. Yeah, I want to keep it with you here, Pablo, because I wanted to ask you, uh, as a player, though, you know, it has to take – I mean, I, I think that this is a huge credit to Mark because it can't be easy to be like, hey, look, dude, we got to ask you to stop shooting threes. We got to ask you to stop taping those ones. Clearly, they're sagging off of you. I know the tendency is like, hey, I can prove you wrong. But right now, that's just not working for us. 
talk about like the player mentality of that, where you have to be like, hey, I got to take a look in the mirror right now and say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it's going to take to help my team win, even if it means checking my ego at the door. Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of that plays in the ego. Um, and you just said the word, it plays in the ego. And the good part about it is that we don't have players with big egos. You know what I mean? So for him, mm-hmm. it's obviously, honestly, mm-hmm. it's an easy transition. You know what I mean? The kid is a, a likable kid, an intelligent kid. He understands, but ultimately he wants to win. So any part of his game that he has to sacrifice, he's willing to do. And that's what we're seeing, you know, and that's why I think, um, you know, we're successful at what we're doing, you know what I mean? With, with Mark, um, he's being successful, you know, what is, what is in his own personal thing and his own personal struggle that he was going through. And now we good, but I think he, I know that, well, I know that he got challenged as well and he stepped up to the challenge. So, um, yeah, like I said, um, it's just been, it's just paying dividends for Duke, man. And I think as long as he keeps his play up that way, I don't, I don't, I don't see why we can't win a national championship. Yeah. Uh, AC, I want to bring you in here and kind of talk about the team overall, because obviously you come off a couple of losses and, most people, you know, outside of, you know, people that really get into the weeds like we do, won't be like, oh, well, you played, you know, Charlotte and Hofstra. But mm-hmm. talk about the importance of what these two games and the changes that were made mean to a team like this. Because at the end of the day, we still are a young team. And mm-hmm. we are still trying to figure ourselves out. And we still, you know, have to figure out what our rotations are and, you know, whose role is going to be what we've kind of beaten that dead horse on this podcast. And then Proctor's out, right? But what have you seen, I guess, in the last couple of games that should kind of encourage Duke fans that are saying, well, it was just Hofstra and Charlotte? Mm-hmm. Well, number one, it's just Hofstra and Charlotte, and we beat them like we were supposed to. We beat them like a drum both games. Like, it is what it is. Also, let's talk about Hofstra for a second, because that's a team that's just outside the top 100 in the NAT, I do believe. And I, they could see themselves sneaking in, especially if they win some games in the CAA. They're really well coached. Speedy Claxton is an amazing coach. He's gonna have a lot of a uh, lot of bigger schools calling for him very soon. Uh, if he if he does want to leave his alma mater, or he can stay there and and dominate the CAA, which I think is coming. I think they have a squad that's gonna be able to to really compete in that league this year. And if they do make the tournament, they're gonna be a problem for teams just because of the way that's they can score the ball. That's a good league. Yeah, man. And Charlotte, they're not a slouch either. I mean, they they offered a couple of unique challenges, especially with that six ten guard that they had that we kind of held and, and handled fairly well. I mean, he had a decent game, but we handled him fairly well. Like. We, we did the things we were supposed to do. We took care of the game. We took care of the ball. We played defense that we need to play, and there were changes. So th- these games are – they act as practice for a team. Like, it's not just like we're going out there like this is the national championship game. We're going out there. This is a practice game. Yeah, we're trying to win the game. We're doing all the right. things we're supposed to do to win the game. We're also putting in different sets and unique sets that we haven't run yet to be able to do that because we just don't have that much practice time right now the way we front-loaded our schedule. Uh, uh, whatever. We looked better. Like, take it. Take it. Like we looked better. Yeah, take take the wins, right? Um, and take the improvement. Like it doesn't right. matter what game you're playing. Like take take the win, take the improvement, take the take the journey, right? Mm-hmm. It's about taking the journey that I think a lot of fans. I don't know if it was always like this, you know, in the '90s and the '80s and before our time, where it's like, where are we going to be seated in the tournament? Oh, we're a second round team. We're a Sweet 16 at best ceiling. Like that doesn't. That stuff has always bothered me because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The matchups are what determine the NCAA tournament to a, a huge degree. And mm-hmm. so telling me that a certain teams – are you telling me that the Jason Tatum team's ceiling was the second round because that's where they lost? Of course not. We got a horrible draw. 
that was a team that didn't know how to put teams away. We were a team that could have beaten anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, Jack, you brought up Jeremy Kane, so I want to bring you back on this one to kind of talk about what you saw. Not just, honestly, shot the ball better, but what else did you see from Jeremy Kane that's like, okay, he's ready to kind of take that next step and kind of keep it as consistent as a freshman can? Well, I mean, it started with the ball going in the hoop. That's huge. You know, like, he had a couple of games where he, he had hit some shots late, and that was awesome. But, no, he saw the ball go in the hoop. He had 21 points. And that was Charlotte, right? Up top of against my head. Charlotte, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had 21. He was he had an incredible game against Hofstra. It's, it all starts with that. The confidence is there. Everything else comes with it. You know, you get you – get, you get confident with the ball, knowing you can put it in the hoop. You know that other people, the defense is going to start to key on you more and open something up for other people, facilitate, rebounds, run a break, play hard defense, because then you have a chance to get the ball in the hoop again. Like it all comes back to the confidence from the ball going in the hoop. And, you know, I really, this is the Jared McCain that I expected at the start of the season. And I really hope this is the Jared McCain we see the rest of the season. Yeah, D, I want to kind of touch on that and touch on the other uh, freshman guard, Caleb Foster, the backcourt of them. I think it's really important for Duke to um, get in there and have the opportunity to get those two freshman guards more minutes and more experience. You know, with Proctor being out, this is an opportunity for them to excel. What have you liked from Caleb Foster? What have you maybe not liked? And then I think the other thing is kind of talking about um, how Jalen Blake can come in and give you instant energy. Well, let, let's start with Foster. Um, and and Pablo has been telling us this for months now, right? He's a point guard. And he's proven that he's a point guard. And the offense looks great with him running point. Um, McCain is coming into is coming into his own. They're they're running like like I said before with that with Flip getting the ball at that free throw line, Flip's either going to the straight to the rack or he is looking for shooters. And there's a few times where the shooter he was looking for was McCain. Um, I, I remember a particular play, and we'll get into this in the coach's corner, gets the ball to the free throw line, balls up top at his chest. He looks directly at McCain. McCain moves to a, a, the other side of the defender, pump fake, dribble drive, 15-foot jumper. Bam. Beautiful, beautiful basketball. Like that is how basketball is supposed to be played. But that doesn't happen without Foster making that right read coming off of that screen that I believe Mitchell said. I have to go back and look at the film, but I think Mitchell set that screen. So, I I mean, I'm. And real quick, to your point, real quick to your point, when we did the Georgia Tech breakdown, we, we, we looked at a couple of plays where Flip looked McCain away. Didn't even get him the ball. McCain was in the right spot. Like he was there ready. Yeah. And and Flip was looking him away. Like like you're saying, like they're they're he starting did, to look he did the same thing to power too. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that is, you know, and I don't mean to cut you back, we'll come right back to D, but I wanted to kind of bring that up as well. And you see is that he did the same thing to power, Jamie Roach did the power. And I think that one of the things that John Shire said after the George Tech loss was we need to make some changes. And we need to yeah. make some and, and some of that is not X's and O's. It is the dude's fucking open. Give him the fucking ball. 
Like the, the play worked, you didn't actually execute it. But that Georgia Tech game too. I mean, and everybody needs to go watch this coach's corner who's listening to this. AC, you mentioned it in that coach's corner with Georgia Tech. Flip, regressing into some bad decisions, some bad habits. Uh, there's no reason for you to bend over at the waist and dribble the ball and turn around. No, you're seven foot tall, dude. Keep that ball at your chest. You can see everything. You can see everything. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times in that Georgia Tech game, he was catching the ball way above that free throw line. So you need to, we need to dial it back, let the defense crash, and if they don't crash, then go to the rack. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing about Mitchell. If, he, if they're doing a, a screen dribble handoff, Mitchell can get to the rim at ease. Him, him and Roach, no problem. I want to see Mitchell go to the, the rim 40 times a game if he has the ball in his hand. Because I think the other thing, though, Mitchell has to finish at the rim, though. Like he has to put the ball in the hoop. Well, at the end of the Georgia Tech game, I know we got the technical, and I know he did it against Hawks for the one time where, like, just dump the ball. Like you're good enough to just elevate over your defenders and dump the ball. Like just do that, Pablo. Like you kind of talked about that in the last podcast. Like talk about what Mitchell can do to. You know, because D's right. Like, he's in the right – and you said it too. Like, he's in the right spot. What can he do to just be like, hey, look, all I got to do is finish at the rim here. Yeah. So, I mean, he just – you said it. He just got to finish. You know, he's got to finish at the rim. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's nothing – I mean, I mean, he's – you know, he is getting – you know, he's getting fouled. He's getting hit a lot, but – you know, he's, he's got to play through contact. You know what I mean? It's not like Mitchell. He's not a small guy. So, you know what I mean? It's not like he's a skinny guy either. So, you know, he's, what, 6'9 and 200-plus and pounds. So, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, he should just be finishing. But, you know, I, I still – even the good part about it, though, is that when he does miss, he does – you know, he hits the boards. You know what I mean? And he's tipping he's tipping shots yeah. out and, and tipping the ball out or whatever. Pause. You know, that was crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that was wild. But, uh, you know what I'm saying, he's tipping the ball. Other guys are getting offensive rebounds based off what he's doing. And sometimes, I mean, he's just putting, you know, he's he's putting the, the, the opposing defense in, in a bad position. So even when he's missing, you know, it's, it's not all bad. I'll just say that. It's not all bad every time he's missing. Right. I, I will, let me just say this. I don't like, and I feel like I scream this every time I'm watching Flip or Mitchell and it's not it's not every time they touch the ball. It's not every time they drive to the hoop. But let's not shy away from this contact. But like you said, you're 6'9", 200 plus pounds. Bro, you're a bruiser. Go up there and take that contact. Because if I'm a ref, if I see your big ass leaning away from, from a guard who's going to, you know, brush up against you, they, I'm probably not blowing that whistle either, man. I'm really I think not. they shot fake too much. I think they pump fake too much at the rim instead of just going mm-hmm. going up and going through somebody's chest. They, they pump fake a lot. And when you do that, you know what I'm saying, you're you're killing your momentum. You know what I mean? And so you're, it's throwing you off balance and you're able to get bumped easily and it'll throw you off balance. I'll go back not, to what AC to said. What AC said after the technical foul against Georgia Tech. If that's what it takes to light a spark under this Duke team, like, oh shit, maybe we really can just go up and dunk on somebody. Cool. I'll take that loss all day. I'll take yeah. that loss. I was saying January, day. and I was just looking at it while you guys were talking. In January last year, too, Mark went through a stretch because I remember this happening, feeling like we kind of had the same discussion of Mark's having trouble making shots at the at the bucket. 
he had a stretch of 11 games last year where he was at or below 50% uh, from two. And, and most of those were layups. A lot of those are missed layups. Things. I remember us talking about this on this podcast, how many God, layups was he was missing during that, during that time frame. Then he recovered after that and was never below 50% ever again the rest of the season except for one game. Like, like I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I think better days are coming for him with, with finishing. Yeah. I think uh, I think the concentration aspect's there. And I think, like you're talking about, the the, the strength, the the long arms, everything else, he'll be able to finish finish those shots a little easier, I think, as, as he continues to keep the reps up and keep it going. Yeah, Jack, I think the other part of that is, I think it's a mentality. I think, I think we're all kind of like talking about that. Like, you know, right now, Mark is working through some things, right? And he has the ability, we've seen it, but to, as Pablo talked about, he has a lot more muscle this year. He's clearly put on great weight. He has the athletic ability. And I think that for him, it's just a mental space where he's done it a few times where we've watched him, you know, just say, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to elevate. I'm going to slam it home. Yeah. We'd like to see that more, but that's a mentality. It's something that he has to kind of work through. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow night, but Wednesday night, like that is a perfect opportunity for him to show that. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think I also think it's been an issue with Flip kind of going oh, up yeah. with the expectation oh, the whistle is going to get blown instead of going up and saying I'm going to score two points regardless of this contact if it comes or not. I think both of them kind of need to work on that, especially you know Mark Mark's been struggling with free throws a little bit of late too. Um, but yeah, let's be honest, you go up you should go up with every intention of trying to get that ball to go through the hoop. I don't care if you get hacked or not. You should still put every effort you possibly can into scoring the basketball. And, uh, you know, we've seen Mark punch it a few times and it's, it's very fun to, uh, to see him get hype like that. Hopefully he doesn't point directly at anyone directly after dunking on egregious, egregious pointing. Jesus Christ. That was egregious. That was the craziest technical foul I've seen in a long time. So ridiculous. I mean, he deserved a tap, but at the same yes. time, you can you can tell somebody they're small, or you can tap your head, shit, but you can't point. I, I can't. No, I, no, I, no, I agree with you. Yeah, like, like, I'm, I'm not saying that there couldn't be other taps. But I can't point. Okay. Right, right. All of it, like I, I look, it's, look hey, at least now we know. At least now we know. Yeah. Now we know. Now we know. But I agree with TK. I think it was a tech, but I, I think it was a good. It's good to. That shit was weak. Frustration. If he had, if, if he was warned during the, earlier in the game, hey, you can't do that. Well, you know, so he, he, you don't call he a was, tech right he there. Was he, didn't, warned, he was warned via the Georgia. He tech didn't say you're a Georgia. bitch. He just he pointed was, at. He me. was warned via the Georgia. He should have said that. Was doing to him. Yeah, yeah. Which right. is why, which is why it sucks. It's always the second guy. Yeah, it's never the first, and mm-hmm. that's the thing that sucks about it. And that's why, like, I kind of felt bad being like, yeah, it was a tech. I understand. Like, he was getting dogged the whole game. But at the same time, it was a tech was very ill-timed that mm-hmm. it happened, and that sucks. Um, okay. But, look, the, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to finish my point, which was, yeah, we've seen Mark punch the ball a few times through the hoop, um, and every time he has, it has sparked something one way or another, and, you know, hopefully we just keep seeing that happen. Um, flip, too. Flip, I mean, we saw it a countdown. He's able to get that that elevation. He just hasn't really shown it in game this year. This is a guy who needs to be doing that a lot more because he's going up, he's going up soft with the ball and you can't do that in the ACC. You can't do that hoping for a whistle because you're not going to get it. You're seven feet tall. 
you're 250 pounds, you go through contact and they will blow the whistle more than they are when you're just flailing. Yeah, I mean, it's the old Coach K adage where he talks about you don't go up looking for a foul. You go up to make yeah. a shot. And I think that's the, probably the number one and possibly only criticism I have of Flip this season is I think that he's looking for the fouls more than trying to make the shot. And I don't like the fact that he does that and kind of whines, you know, if he doesn't get the call. Look, dude, like, I get it, you're a preseason All-American, preseason ACC Player of the Year, but Play you like also, it. You also have to earn it. You also have to earn that. You know, you have to earn those calls. And mm-hmm. as much as we hate, you know, certain older, you know, upperclassmen that get calls that they shouldn't, you know, they've also been through the ringer and they're going to get the benefit of the doubt sometimes. But um, they're also going to commit six turnovers in a game sometimes. Oh, right, right. Uh, all right. So let's move on, though. Got I want to move on real quick because there was a uh, social media post about. Uh, Jeremy Roach and the comparisons to a senior year Quinn Cook ran through the numbers and, you know, oh, it reminds me of a senior year Quinn Cook and how he played. To me, I'll try to use my words wisely here. I think it's lazy. I think that it is a scenario where you're just looking for the last national championship team and there was a senior leader on there. And I'm not trying to discourage or disparage, you know, what Quinn Cook did because Quinn Cook was amazing. Quinn, Quinn, Quinn Cook was an amazing leader. He did shoot very well. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, players, fans that were like, oh, you know, Quinn, Quinn Cook should leave, should come off the bench. A lot of compare, or a lot of similarities there to fans that were saying that Jeremy Roach should come off the bench. So I see the sim- similarities in that regard. Having said that, right now, AC, your boy, Jeremy mm-hmm. Roach is shooting 50% from three. Uh, right. He's 81% from uh, free throw line. He's shooting 51% from the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that one, our uh, Philip House, he's our best player, but right now, Jeremy mm-hmm. Roach, to me, has been, through the 10 games that we played, he's been the best player that we've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 and Quick Cook was never the best player. No, 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 no. His his, buckets, his offense was no, 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 not at all. But his his offense was opportunistic, and Quinn put up some big numbers his, that senior season. Some twenty point games, you know, some 15, 18, 19 point games, kind of some on the right shots. Yeah, and but the difference was he was he was on the floor to hit threes and shoot threes, and he did that. He did that at a very high clip. He's a forty percent. He shot six point six threes a game that season. Right now, Jeremy's only shooting about 3.4 threes a game. Uh, so that's kind of the difference. Like, Jeremy is more of a creator, and that's why I liken it more to, honestly, in my opinion, it's more like junior season Nolan Smith where he's creating, he's kind of helping run the point, he's facilitating at times. But when we need somebody to get to the basket and get us a bucket, that's that's what he does. Like, when that wasn't Quinn. We weren't using Quinn at the rim. That was what Justice Winslow did. That was what Tyus did even at some points. So, I mean – more, more like Nolan, in my opinion, that season, that junior season, Nolan than Quinn. But the leadership, the senior leadership, and stuff, I get it, I get it, and not mad about it. But you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, it is what it is. I think, I think, I think Jeremy, I think Jeremy, this season is like you said. I think he's settling into. We thought he was going to be the fourth best player on the team. I think he's the second best player on the team. And unless Tyrese comes back, and yeah. 
you know, and plays like really, we, really, really thought we would. Yeah, up, ups his his level of play. Then I think that's where Jeremy settles. If not that worse, Jeremy goes the third best player in the team, and I don't I don't see anybody taking that from him the rest of the season, honestly. Yeah, Pablo uh, wanted to bring you in on this one because you know you were kind of asking. Like, I don't understand the comparisons type of deal. Um, you know, where do you see what Jeremy Roach is doing right now? I don't see them as similar players. I think Jeremy Roach is actually being asked to do a hell of a lot more than Quinn Cook ever did, uh, or was being asked to do. Excuse me, being asked to do his senior year compared to what Jeremy Roach is being asked to do right now. So, like, where do you see that comparison? Um. I mean, well, I mean, the bottom line is that to me it's whack. It's a whack comparison, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. It, it is what it is. I just don't, you know, I was asking you guys about it because I was just like, where'd that come from? Like, I don't, numbers wise, doesn't really match up and they definitely don't play alike. So I was just kind of like, hmm, I was just kind of puzzled by that. But um, uh, I mean, like I said, they're two two totally different players. You know, two totally different players. You know, Quinn Cook was a spot spot shooter. You know, what I mean, that's pretty much all right. he was. He was a, not all he was. I mean, obviously, he made right. some big shots for Duke. Uh, he used to get in the lane a little bit, hit some floaters and stuff. But he never really was a you know what I'm saying an attack the rim type of guy. Um, Jeremy Roach is. Um, you know, he's he's obviously a spot shooter too. He's good off the bounce. Uh, he can get you know he can get his own shot. He's a good one on one player. So. Um, I don't I don't really like that comparison at all. Um, leadership, even leadership wise, uh, Quinn Cook was way more vocal than Jeremy Roach has ever been. I, so, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't to me, it doesn't really um, make any sense. Like I didn't I didn't know that anybody had compared those guys um, until I heard it from you guys. And I'd like and that was what, 30 minutes ago. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, huh? So I was kind of puzzled by that. But um, uh, I don't even know who the hell said it. But whatever. At the end of the day, um like I say, two different players. Uh, but I think what Jeremy Roach is doing for us right now is, is obviously is huge. Uh, he's playing his ass off. You know, I think he's going to, you know, play a big part into uh, this W we about to get against Baylor on Wednesday as, as well. Ooh. You know I mean? Just gameplay. So I'm just looking forward to, uh, you know, every game that we play, obviously. And I just want to see Jeremy Roach just keep it going, man. Like if he can play at the level that he's playing at, you know, we're going to be good. And I will say this uh, last year, was it last year? I think it was last year. You know, I had a certain guy tell me that Jeremy Roach was garbage. I mean, like, he said Jeremy Roach was, like, the worst player ever. You know what I mean? He was a Gonzaga fan. So I just was, like, looking at him, like, what are you talking about? So I just Don't laughed. worry. There are plenty of Duke fans who said the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, like, I know it wasn't this podcast, but, you know. Yeah, I was just like. Uh, nah, we we nah, love nah, Jeremy was, here. No, nah, it was it was crazy, but um, no, nah, I, I think we're we're good, man. I like what I'm seeing, and um, I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to this game on Wednesday. That'll tell me a lot about the team. Um, hopefully, we get Tyrese back pretty soon. I hear he's progressing pretty fast, so we'll see what happens. I I just have to really quickly ask: Didn't Jeremy ice the game against Gonzaga? Yes. The game in Vegas, yeah. That, that's why I started laughing, Jack. That I'm so play. confused by that. Times on the stretch. <laughs> Texas Tech, we aimed the ball down the stretch. I remember the month of March. I remember the month of March. I just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Against Jeremy Roach is Mr. March. You, I, I can pull up tweets that I literally have, and it says Jeremy, Mr. March Roach, straight up. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. Mr. March, bro. Like that's what he yeah. do. That that's why I started laughing, Jack, is when he said that Gonzaga fan came in there and, and started uh, wait, are, Stupid take. are we serious right now? Um anyway, so Dia, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I, I thought that um 
one of the things that happens when you start comparing different players and you know, like, okay, wait, one of these comparisons is whack or whatever, um, which I think it is. I think Pablo is co- correct. One of the things that happens, though, uh, in that uh, situation is that the natural human tendency is to disparage one of the guys. Mm-hmm. And we're not disparaging anything Quinn Cook ever did or certainly in senior year, which was amazing. And Quinn Cook came out and said, Jeremy's playing better than me. So we take that at from the horse's mouth saying, like, yeah, he's playing better than I am. And what I want to do is talk about, kind of elaborate from what Pablo just said, is the way that Jeremy Roach is being used in this offense. We are asking him to do 10 times more than we asked Quinn Cook to do, and that's not a knock on Quinn Cook. It's actually a testament to how good that actual team was and how great Tyus was. This team right now is asking Jeremy Roach to put up 18, 19 points a game right now, especially with uh, Tyrese out. Kind of talk about, you know, what they're asking him to do. And do you even see a comparison? Because, you know, AC talked about uh, Nolan Smith his junior year. What do you see? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that that's a good point. We talk a lot about roles on this on this podcast, right? Like, what, what, what's your role? I don't think that you can compare Jeremy and Quinn because they don't have the same role. Like, that. Quinn was never handed the ball and he and said, I need you to go get 30 tonight. We're right. playing bad. I need you to get 30. Right now, Jeremy Roach is Duke's most consistent player. And I'll and I'll take that. 100%. Great. Um, as good as Quinn was, they're just not the same player as far as role-wise. Um <clears throat> the Nolan Smith thing is a way better one because he was handed the ball saying, Hey, dude, I need you to get 30 tonight. I need you to get 30 tonight. Um, and, and yeah, of course, Quinn's going to say he's playing better than me because if you know anything about Quinn, that's the type of dude Quinn is. He's a team first guy. So sure, that's going to be his first thing to say. But let's let's just stop trying to compare players and let's just look at what we've got right now. Jeremy's the most consistent player on Duke. He's leading by example. And I will say, Pablo, he's getting more and more vocal. He's getting more and more vocal, especially to the opponents, which I love. Yeah. Which I yeah, love. That's, 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 a that's a different type of which vocal. Which I love. Right. Right. Like, right. Talking, talking Jeremy. But people see that. People see that. And I know everybody right. saw against that uh, was was it Hofstra. And he was mm-hmm. like. I think it was like the last three games he's been it talking was, shit to. Who you think you are, dude? And he yeah. went bananas that game. Bananas. Yeah. yeah. Um, he he doesn't make a lot. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, he only shoots three and a half threes a game. But you know what? They're good damn threes. In rhythm. I, I mean, he. I don't know what you can say about Jeremy right now that is is bad. I, I mean, he's people still find a way. Believe me, they they're eh. still bad. <laughs> He's but, not a but those people have probably never played organized basketball a day in their damn life. Let's be real. Let's be anyway, real. Yeah. Or you just want to hate. But no, I mean, right. That's what it is. I think, I think it's more of the latter. But yeah. But I mean, just let Jeremy cook. Just Jeremy knows if if there's one defined role on this Duke team, Jeremy has a defined role on this Duke team. Just let Jeremy cook, and and we'll be fine. I loved what we saw for in the Hofstra game. Uh, like I said, I don't want to spoil anything that we got coming up tomorrow for the coach's corner, but 
that Duke team against Hofstra could have beat any team in the country the way they played offense. And it was Mm -hmm. amazing. We're cutting down turnovers. Jeremy's got a lot to do with that. Caleb Foster is playing a great point guard role while Tyrese Proctor's out. And I think Tyrese Proctor was top five in the country. Jack, you can check me on this. Top five in the country in turnover ratio. I believe uh, you're correct. Assisted turnover. I, I mean, he was and, and I don't sure. think I don't think Foster ha- has skipped a beat on, on keeping that. In fact, I think Duke has had less turnovers over the past three games than they have all season. So I, re- I really like the direction that this Duke team is taking. I love the changes that John's made. Um, the comparison to him and Quinn is crazy. I think it's lazy. You know, it, it's, a, it's very you know, lazy. It's it was very, yeah. He got that's a lot of, clicks. he yeah. got a lot of clicks and I'm happy for him. Good job. But lazy comparison. Yeah. Um, I think it's lazy. Um, the roles are not even the same. Jeremy's the leader of this team on and off the court. And we're going to see great things from him and just wait till March. Cause it's only going to get better. If we're seeing this from Jeremy now, March is going to be wild. March Jeremy's going to be up there putting up Pete Maravich numbers. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. Uh, well, I hope that he does. I hope that he does. 72% in March. I hope that he does Wednesday night against Baylor. You know, Jack's going to be there representing the five-point play podcast there, so I want to see that. Uh, we're not going to get to the Oh, yet. I want to get to the stock market first. You, you beat me to bell? the punch, we TK. We have a bell. So we have a bell, AC, and I want to win the... You love it. Um, while we wait for that bell, we got a couple guys that I want to talk about for the stock market. And, um, you know, the first one is Sean Stewart Eats. I want to talk about that one, Pablo. Sean Stewart, because, I mean, you hear Duke Nation right now, they are yelling for Sean Stewart minutes. Why is he not playing? He should be playing more. He should be playing 40 minutes a night. Uh, like, obviously... You know, exaggeration to make the point. He, to me, looks a little bit lost. But this is a stock market segment. It's not a segment to break down his game. Where are you, are you buying? Are you selling? Or are you holding where you are right now with Sean Stewart? I guess I'm a hold. I'm a hold for now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it just is what it is. You know what I mean? I, I Yeah, that's all I'll say. I'll hold. All right, AC, what do you got? All you can do is hold right now. Jack? Hold. D? Gotta hold. All right, I guess I'm going to have to be that guy. Uh, I'm going to sell. Uh, I don't think that, you know, right now, um, the way I look at it is John kind of has his core guys mm-hmm. that he trusts. That doesn't mean that Sean Stewart is not going to get, you know, minutes when they're available. And, you know, it could be foul trouble. It could be injury. It could be whatever. And that could change things. Right now, I think I just sell it and, you know, home for the best. I know you never sell well, but right now, that's what I'm doing. And it kind of leads me into the next one, Jack, which is TJ Power. Everybody bought. Everybody bought TJ Power over the last couple of games. And then they saw him in two games against Charlotte and, and Hofstra. He barely played. Where are you on the, uh, the TJ Power stuff? I think TJ is in the same exact spot as Sean in terms of playtime and like spot in the rotation, role, things like that. So I'm I'm gonna say got a hold on him too. Pablo, where are you at, TJ Power? Holding, I'm holding, baby. 
Tem. Gotta hold. AC? Like it feel it feels like it's a buy low. Because I still think there's room for him to, to get rotational minutes because his role is pretty secure in as what he does. So I, I still think there's an opportunity to buy low here because I think there's more to come. Yeah, I'm actually with you on this one. I'm going to buy as well. I think that uh, I, I agree with Jack in terms of I think that his role is going to be limited and it might be spotty, but he has an actual niche that this team can use, and that's his shooting ability. So whether his own teams or we're in foul trouble or we're, we're not shooting well, we can plug him in. He can He's shown the propensity to come out there and hit shots. So to me... I'm going to buy, and then we'll finish this stock market up with Mark Mitchell. This is going to be a really interesting one. I feel like everybody's going to buy, but Pablo, I'll start with you. You know, I'm a buy, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all day. All day. It's only going to get better, too. Pause. <laughs> I don't think that was a pause, but... I don't Hey, I just had to make uh, sure. You know what I'm saying? I had to yeah, make sure. no, I understand. You certainly want to make sure about it. You know, that's fair. All right, D, what do you got? Bye, 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 bye. Um, I, I've since that's the, the Backstreet Boys. Bye, bye, bye. That's a Backstreet Boys, ain't it? I, I, I'm all in on Mark Mitchell right now. I think he, he really could become as we look towards uh, the new year going into January and February, he really could be the keystone of this team. He, I think he's a mismatch across the floor. Um, I, I think you can put him anywhere and he can succeed. I, I, I want to see more out of him. I think he needs to believe in himself a little more. But, yeah, I'm buying all day. Yeah, Jack, what do you got? <laughs> I just threw money at the screen if you didn't see that, TK. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so you can have all zero money I have. No, nah, I, I, I'm buying on Mark because Mark is at a low point so far performance-wise in a while, probably since last January when we were talking about it on the podcast. But, um, you know, he, uh, you know he, showed, he showed flashes of things. John's made some adjustments with him that I think are going to be incredibly beneficial for him as a player and as a pro prospect. So I, I think right now you have to buy on Mark. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, everybody said it. It's a buy. Yeah, I, I think that it's a buy. I don't think we need to belabor the point there. I think, uh, like you said, right now with where Mark Mitchell is as a player, he is working through some things and it's only going to get better from him. You know, he's starting to understand who he is. Pablo mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Once he continues to understand who he is, he's going to play better. He's going to accept his role. He's going to finish at the rim. I know that's going to happen. And he better look out. So uh, I think it's a, a five-point play by on Mark Mitchell for this year, no doubt. All right, let's get to the Baylor preview, Jack. Um, of course, like I said at the beginning, you know, they got blown out by Michigan State, a team that we beat earlier. Uh, of course they did. Uh, they shot horrible. Uh, they were 31% <laughs> from three, 63% from the free throw line. Michigan State, who's a horrible shooting team, shot 68%, 67% from three. And it's just one of those things where, you know, those games happen to everybody. They happen to do all the time. 
Baylor is a guard-heavy team. I know probably you want to talk about, you know, some of the bigs that they roll in. And I know, AC, you want to touch on that, and you're going to do that in the coach's corner. So maybe, you know, Jack, first of all, talk about what Baylor is going to do starting, you know, in Madison Square Garden against us. Well, they're going to be mad because they just got embarrassed by probably the worst Michigan State team in the last, like, 10, 15 years. Um mm-hmm. Which, you know, not, never a good look, especially since I don't remember the last time Michigan State's had a losing record coming into a game like that and won so handily. Yeah. Like, that's embarrassing. And they're going to, you know, this is a nationally televised game. This is Madison Square Garden. This is Duke. You know they're going to come out strong. They got, they got a really good team. They're ranked sixth for a reason. Um, not more than a couple of guys left from that national championship uh, three seasons ago, but they have replenished very well. They, they've lost some guys to the portal. They've lost some guys to graduation, the pros, whatever. But, no, they're a good team. They're a scary team. And uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. And where are your seats? I am not going to lie. I actually don't know. Um, yeah, I, I keep asking my my family because I'm going with my family. I keep asking, hey, where are the tickets? And then, oh, I haven't uh, I haven't checked. I'll get back to you. We have tickets. I know we're that. Sure you, we're sure you're there. Yeah, no. <laughs> there I, are tickets. Yes, I have tickets. correct on the ticket. I have seen the tickets. Okay. I just do not remember where they are, and it just keeps being like, in inopportune time when I ask where we're sitting. This is actually a dumb question. I'm not even sure why I'm asking it, but like, are they? Is there another game after us? No, it's. I think it's just okay. Duke and Bailey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if there yeah. is, I'm not staying. I got. I got train tickets. That's uh, fair. You gotta go back to Bailey. Um, AC, what are you? What are you looking for? Don't don't spoil the uh, coach's corner for tomorrow. But what no, are you we'll look more in depth on that. But I, you know, just a general breakdown of what we're gonna see, man. Like. They're they're a fast paced team. They like to move the ball up and down the floor. They're really good at, at the three point shot. Very good all season, and we've not been great. You know, I've, I've said it a few times on the pod that one of our strengths under John so far has been three point percentage defense. This year is not the case. Um, and they're gonna shoot a lot of threes. They look for it. They look for it, and they look for the standstill three. They don't shoot well off the dribble. They look for the standstill three a lot. So we got to keep them on the move on that perimeter, man. But. They they start out with usually start out with one big four guard out and then they like to bring in two different uh off the bench they like to bring in two bigs and run baseline on teams and, and they're really effective with it so backdoor cuts have been one of our problems so we're really we can't fall asleep against this team we can't yeah we really can't yeah uh, Pablo I know you just got room service so I'm gonna let you uh, hang tight real quick and go to D um you know, <laughs> D what are you looking for 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 this game against uh, Baylor. Baylor does a great job of spreading that ball out, and there's everybody on that team who starts and comes off the bench pretty much averages at least double digits. So you can't slack off on anybody. I'll say that. It's a very well-coached team. However, they have a tendency to turn the ball over at a clip that's kind of alarming for a sixth-ranked team. Um, Duke Duke has cleaned that up a little bit. Duke has been forcing some turnovers lately. Yes, I know Charlotte Hofstra, whatever, whatever. But they're still playing basketball, too. They're grown men playing basketball. And I think there's some mismatches on the floor that Duke can utilize. We've talked about Mark. We've talked about Flip. I think those guys can space this floor out a little bit 
and and Duke can we we could see Duke really come to their own in this game against Baylor and and prove people, uh, even Duke fans, prove them wrong. I, I think I think Duke matches up really well with them. I mean that yeah they got a seven footer, but hell so does Duke, right? I mean it it really depends on where. And again, I think Mark is the I think Mark is the keystone in this. Like, where where are we going to plug Mark in at? Are we going to put him in the corner, or are we going to let him come up to the free throw line, catch and turn, and go to the basket? Because if we get Baylor in some foul trouble, it could be a really long night at Madison Square Garden for them. Mm-hmm. And something yeah, you pointed Pop. out real quick, D, before we go to Pobs, um, you you pointed out really well the turnover part, man. That's going to be important. Limiting that, I, I think playing a slower game this time is going to be key to us limiting their possessions because they also don't defensive. They're not a good defensive rebounding team at all. Like not even good. Um, they're a great offensive rebounding team and not a good defensive rebounding. So team. AC, think, you like them slow. You like slowing the game down then? I do. I do because that limits the amount of possessions they have. And and if we are, if we can force them into non-quality shots on top of turning them over on top of getting boards and limiting their possessions, that's a, that's an easy win. If we can make that work. Yeah, Pablo, get the seven footer yeah. into foul trouble. That it'll be a long night for Baylor. Pablo, how do you see this game going? Uh, we're gonna fucking win. Bottom line. Uh, now, um, you know the thing about Baylor too, man, is with their bigs, they have multiple bigs, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean that that actually play and that are effective. Um, right. Their seven footer is the freshman Missy, so mm-hmm. he's he's a little foul prone, um, but he's a damn good. Uh, shot blocker and he's a he's a good defender you know and he can finish at the rim he's you know he's their vertical spacer um you got the other kid the the, uh, the older kid uh chama chachua um mm-hmm. yeah. he's barely bridges he doesn't play much at all like though. four minutes yeah. but he but you know Ojawuna is the other one that plays a lot yeah yeah you know they're gonna throw him out there just to beat flip up though you know what i'm saying oh yeah yeah he's with um and then the other the other uh kid with the long name, what is his name again? Uh Oja, name like Ojawuna or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And so I mean it's gonna be a good game. I mean, we do match up with them well. Uh guard wise, I think we got the advantage. Um they have a, a really talented freshman too, uh Jacoby Walters. Oh my god. So yeah. you yeah. know, they got him, they got RJ Dennis that played at Boise State. Um, they got the other freshman, Miro Little. Who's nice too. So it's it's gonna be a good game, man. I think it's gonna be a chess a chess match. And uh, Scott Drew, he's a really he's more of a, a defensive coach than anything. Well, I think he's a pretty balanced coach, but he throws a lot of like junk defenses out there too. So he's good at switching his defenses up and uh, strategizing. So it'll be a good game, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it all. You know, they just got their ass handed to him. So I know yeah. that you know what I mean they're gonna be pissed and they're gonna be ready to play. Mm-hmm. But if Duke could jump on them early which we never do, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. if we could jump on them early, you know what I mean? I think we'll pause, we'll be fine. But, you know, it's going to be a good game, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, th- I think the other thing about that is Scott Drew, uh, I agree with you, he throws a lot of junk defenses out on you. And if, if you're scouting against Michigan State, you are like, okay, yeah, go ahead and shoot as many threes as you can because you're a terrible three-point shooting team. We pretty much mm-hmm. do the same thing. They didn't really hit against us. I know they did a little bit in the first half, but of yeah. course against Baylor, they hit. They were eight of twelve. Like that's I don't want to say unlucky, but like that's pretty much unlucky because you're basically yeah. saying go ahead and shoot the threes. Um 
But anyway, like AC, we need predictions here. We need predictions. So mm-hmm. AC, give me a prediction for this game. I mean, and I just want, I want to look at something real quick because I, I didn't pay attention to this when the game was happening. Is this true that Baylor only had 14 rebounds that game? Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, they had 20 rebounds, 14 with defensive. They only had six offensive okay. rebounds. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Still, 20 rebounds is horrible. It's, it's bad. I mean, they, they were out rebounded by since nine. We Mark down low. We've we our rebounding numbers have started to go up a little bit. Again, I, I think I think possession is key this game, and I think we can we can manage possession. Uh, I, I see us winning this one. Before the season, I would have told you it's a blowout. I don't think so. I, then I get blown out twice in a row. Um, it, it, it's going to be a slower game. Give me 70, 73 to 69. Duke wins. Nice. 69, nice. Uh, Jack, I'll go right to you. You're going to be at this game. What do you got? Um, I got a happy train ride home on uh, Wednesday night. I got a Duke win. Uh, give me 78 to 73. Wow. So you're kind of calling a blowout then. Five points isn't really a blowout. Oh, I thought you said 78-63. I'm sorry. No, I said 78-73. Oh, my, my fault. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, holy shit, that kind of came out of nowhere. Okay. All right, fair enough. Get, get in the, uh, the cafe car of the Amtrak, head home, enjoy yourself. Thea, what do you got? I'm a, Thea, are we going to be watching this game together? Is that, is that yeah, I think we should. I think we should, man. We'll figure out where we're going to watch it at, either uh, here or Shakey's. Or, but um, I, I think Duke's averaging just over 81 points a game. Uh, I, I don't see them slowing down from the last two games. Like I said, I really see a lot of mismatches on the floor for Duke. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna slow it down, but I also think they need to get to the free throw line. Um, get these guys in foul trouble. Get them off their rhythm. Uh, maybe maybe pick them up at half court on defense to make them slow down a little bit. Uh, give give me eighty one seventy six. Okay, a little bit higher scoring. Uh, Pablo, what do you got? I know you're going to see Duke wins, but what, give me a score. I don't I don't really give a fuck about the score. I just Duke, <laughs> Duke just Duke just needs to win. Bottom yeah, line, just, I don't care if just we win, win baby. by a point. Just win. I don't care if we win by a point. Just win the fucking game. Bottom line. Bottom line, and we didn't get Naquan Tom, uh, Naquan Tomlin, so fuck, no, nope. whatever, we're good. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, I, I'm, I'm with AC on this one. I think 72 68 is what I'm predicting. I think that it's going to be a knock and drag them out game, but I think we got mm-hmm. win. And I think what we did in these last two games is going to kind of start propelling us, it's going to start giving us that momentum. Then we have a couple of early ACC games, you know, early in January. I know we got another one or two before the new year. But, look, Duke is evolving. And we're doing it without arguably a guy that should have been our best player. So, Duke is a team that is doing a high right now. And we're just kind of scratching the surface of where we can be. This team has the ability to do all the different things we talked about during the offseason. We're going to win the ACC. We're going to win the ACC tournament. We're going to win the national championship. We are going to do these things. It's just going to take us a little bit longer than we anticipated. And so right now, strap in. Let's go. Let's focus on what we got to do. Let's get better each and every day. Have a fucking happy new year. First of all, Jack, enjoy the game on Wednesday. Yes, sir. Have fun. Let's go Duke. 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 Let's go Duke.